one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Welcome to another edition of Red Sox Beat. I'm Jess Thomas. We're joined alongside Jared Scally and Lauren Campbell. As always, we also have a guest, Jimmy Toscano from Comcast Sportsnet New England. We'll get to him in just a minute. But this show, Red Sox Beat, is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Yes, they do. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Everyone's got to sleep, so you might as well do it well. So welcome into the program. Another week, Sunday night edition again. Um, we got Jimmy here, who is a writer and editor for Comcast Sportsnet. He, is, he was at the game today. He covers them a lot. Make sure you check him out on Twitter at James underscore Toscano, I believe. No. It's Jimmy underscore Toscano. Oh, already messing up. Oh. There it is. <laughs> but I got it. I recovered. <laughs> so we're going to welcome him in. Jimmy, how you doing? What's going on, guys? Yeah, the Twitter the Twitter situation is a little confusing because the name doesn't match the handle and all that stuff. But that's, that's you got to straighten that out, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, you got to straighten that out. I, I, the guy, like, the, long story short, there's a guy, he took the handle before I could chase him. You know what I mean? It's a big thing. It's a big thing. Oh, stupid Twitter. I, it's it's I'll tell you what, though, I could use one of those mattresses that you guys were plugging after that game today. It was a long one. <laughs> yeah, you were there for a while. You were there for a while. Yeah, it was a long day. It was a long day for everybody. <laughs> Got to sleep sometime. All right, Jimmy, so we're going to jump in here. So I want to definitely talk about the uh, offensive explosion that was this weekend. But before we get to that, I think the first thing we should talk about with you is the uh, announcement by John Farrell that he has lymphoma. And so I want to hear your thoughts on that. And subsequently, how do you expect Tori Lavello to do in his absence? Well, I'll tell you what. I was there for the announcement, and that was really something else. I mean, we obviously, nobody had any clue what was going on. It was just a regular pregame uh, type situation. We go to sit down. I'm um, sitting next to my coworker, uh, Jess Moran, and and, and the, one of the PR people, they announced that, you know, John Farrell's going to make an announcement. Before he gets into baseball questions, and I, I, I honestly had no idea what to think. I thought maybe he was resigning, or he was going to, you know, something retire. I don't know what it was going to be. When we walked in, he was clearly he had tears in his eyes. You know, it was clearly something was wrong. You know, Ben Charrington walks in, you know, James Ortiz walks in, Justin Matoya walks in, all these important people within the organization. So you knew something was up. And then when he made that announcement, I think, I mean, I know my heart kind of stopped. You know, I kind of, you know, because these are human beings, and you get to know these guys that. As people, a lot of a lot of fans don't see them that way. They see them as you know athletes or just you know people that they can say whatever they want to. But it's kind of different when you're around these guys. So you really do care about them. And when when you hear that, you can't help but just kind of think, well, who cares about this game today? You know, like this guy's got a much bigger issue going on right now. So that was definitely uh, that was definitely a, a moment that I won't forget. And uh, you know, and definitely thoughts and prayers with Farrell as he as he goes through that fight that, if I'm not mistaken, begins tomorrow, I believe, is when the first treatment begins. So that's going to be, you know, obviously his 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 main thing is, you know, beating cancer, but I know 
because he's such a baseball guy. I know that he's going to be still involved with the team behind the scenes and he's going to be checking up on them every single day. And I even know that he was there all weekend. You know, he's even there today um, before the, before, you know, the day before all that stuff is about to go down. He's still caring about the team and wants them to do well. And I'm sure he's chatting with uh, Tori Lovello about, you know, just the ins and outs of the team and, and what he you know what he wants to see and those types of things. He's gonna let he's gonna let Tori manage for sure, but I'm sure he's gonna also, you know, just kind of chip in here and there with his thoughts. So uh, I think Lavello, listen, this is a, you know, it's it's unfortunate how this opportunity arose, but it is a good opportunity for Lavello to sort of get his feet wet wet in the, in a managerial role because as we know he's he's tried out for you know a couple managerial positions and he's. Come, come in second. You know, he's been the bridesmaid each time, so now he kind of gets a chance to work with these guys, and yeah, he's taking over a team that, let's be honest, has been a disappointment all, all season, but if he can string together some wins like he has been able to those last couple of days, the team looks, you know, they're playing some inspired baseball. He can get the pitching right, and he can put together a, a, rec- a nice little record uh, at the end of the season. Maybe, uh, you know, a team that's looking for a manager, takes him a little bit more seriously over the offseason. I don't think he's going to become the manager in Boston. I, don't, I think Farrell's going to resume that position when he is healthy enough. But I think it's a good opportunity for Tory to, you know, sort of prove that he has what it takes. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see see what he can do here. So, so moving on from that, because this was his first weekend as the manager, and boy was it a weekend, 15 runs Friday, 22 <laughs> runs on, on Saturday, and, and then eight more today. Um I just want to talk to you about the offense period because the Sox went from eighth in the AL and runs to third in the AL and runs just <laughs> over those two games. So first of all, yeah. what took what took so long with the offense? And second of all, like they're playing pretty well overall. Like what what is this team capable of? Right. I mean, and that's why some stats are kind of misleading, right? I mean, we know that the Sox haven't had the third best offense all year, even though the numbers are going to say that now. You gotta, you gotta know, you gotta, you gotta spread those, those runs around. You know, they spread those runs around the past couple of days. They've got 20 more wins this year. I mean, how many games did we watch them lose like two to one or one, you know, they score one or two runs tops and they just look lifeless out there. So yeah, this weekend has been a completely different, uh, change from what we've known. And, and, and recently, not just this weekend, they have been scoring a lot more runs over the past couple of weeks. Um, I wish I could tell you what's changed. I mean, if I knew what has changed, I, I would, be managing a team somewhere, and I would have made that change a long time ago. I will say it's interesting that you know all these runs are coming with Hanley Ramirez out of the lineup, and and Sandoval, you know he's out today. Uh, so it's a, it's the young guys, it's the kids that are really starting to turn around. And all you have to do is look at a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, look at his game yesterday. I mean, just a ridiculous game: two home runs, three doubles, seven RBIs. I mean, that was production that was literally non-existent at the beginning of the season when he either was on the team and not hitting, or when he was down in the minors. So. That's one reason why, you know, this offense starts to look a little, it's starting to look better is because these young guys, Bradley Shaw is another example. I mean, the Red Sox got no production at first base this season with a struggling Mike Napoli. I mean, you can only imagine what had happened if if maybe they bring Shaw up in, you know, maybe May or June or something and just, you know, instead of just sticking with Napoli for so long, hoping that he would turn around and he never did. So it's just bringing in some young blood, and I think these guys, let's be real, I mean, when, when the expectations aren't there, I think it's a lot easier to step in the batter's box and swing away when you don't have the weight of the world, feel, feel like you get the weight of the world on your shoulders. The expectations for this Red Sox team this year are gone. I mean, 
comes down to just wanting to watch young guys develop for the most part. So I think that's helped me as well. Yeah, definitely. And I know that you touched on uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. a little bit, but um, he had obviously a monster weekend. Is this who he is as a baseball player? Is this what we're expecting to see from him for years to come? Or is this just he had a good weekend and he'll go back to the normal? Well, wouldn't that be great if this was the Jackie Bradley, right? I mean, this would be an MVP every single year. I think it's somewhere. I, I think the hope is that he's somewhere in the middle, you know, I and mean, he's not, he can't be as bad of a hitter as he was last season and in the beginning of this season when before, I want to say before the last eight games, he was hitting just over a hundred, you know, it was unlimited at bats, roughly 40 at bats or so. But I mean, the guy couldn't hit anything. So, he made some adjustments down in the minor leagues. He was hitting the ball really well down there, and I think he's finally starting to see those adjustments carry over at the major league level. Uh, I, I think that he can be a better, a much better hitter than what he showed us last year. We already know his fielding is, you know, top of the league. I mean, if this guy was playing every day, regardless of how he batted, if he was playing every day, I mean, we're talking about a guy who would be a Gold Glove finalist, I think, every single year. I mean, he he almost made a case for it last year, and and, and you saw the season that he had. So I think, and this goes back to Hamley Ramirez being out, he needs opportunities, and he's getting those opportunities every day now, and uh, he's, he's making the most of them. I think that they're going to, that's one of the things the Red Sox are really going to focus on these next six weeks is getting him regular playing time in, you know, in some way. And it's going to be harder because Ramirez is returning to him. Yeah, Jimmy, I want to switch gears to uh, Ortiz for a second here because he's been the, kind of the go-to storyline for the last week or so besides, obviously, John Farrell. He's closing in on 500. He's probably going to get it before the end of the, end of the season at this point, the way he's been hitting. Um, I, wanted, I want to know what you think about this in the case of he's basically playing selfish, right? Because early in the year, he didn't want to play first base two games in a row at, or at all. And then now, the last week in Miami, he played back-to-back games without really seemed to be a questioning in it. So is he playing selfishly to get to 500, or or what's going on in that situation? Uh, I heard that I heard that same thing being talked about on the radio a couple of days ago. I, I honestly can't say that I I can't say that he's playing selfish. No, I mean w- this guy. It's to the point where he literally can't do anything right, or he's going to get bashed. I mean, if if he doesn't play first base in that second Miami game, you're going to ask me why. He, he refuses to play first base still. And if he does play it, you guys are going to ask me, is he being selfish because he wants the home run record? I mean, the guy hits home runs. That's his job. Isn't that his job to hit home runs? I mean, he hit those two home runs in Miami. One of them was to, I believe it was, to tie the game up. So it's not like he's just in it to, to hit home runs. I think he's trying to he's trying to just win, you know, whether or not that means much. I think he's still trying to win games. Uh, I, I tend to give Ortiz more of the benefit of the doubt than a lot of people seem to do. I, I think a lot of for whatever reason, or not, not you guys at all, I'm just saying whatever reason, I think a lot of the mainstream media, they are extremely critical of Ortiz more so than other players. And I, I don't see it as much. I mean, I know that Ortiz is a fiery guy, he's an emotional guy. I, I like that in play, players. Uh, I can see why people might think that he's only chasing the home run record now, but I don't think that's it. I think he's just trying to help the team out in a situation where, yeah, he wants his at-bats and he wants – I mean – he should want the home run record. If, 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 if it means he's selfish, then I guess that's what people think. But, I mean, I want a guy in there that wants to play, that, you know, is trying to hit home runs. And I think the whole first base, he doesn't want to play first base, I think that's a little overblown. Because the way the question was asked, I mean, he's not a first baseman. He's a 40-year-old or almost 40-year-old DH. 
do we really want him playing first base and potentially injuring? I mean, he's not a great first baseman by any means. There's a, there's a couple balls that went right past him in Miami that maybe a, you know, a normal first baseman makes. Uh, I, I just think that, you know, the whole first base thing, he shouldn't have to play it more often. He should play it sparingly, and he has been. And I'm not going to say that he's, that he's self-advocate just because he played two games in a row. Okay. I, Sorry, yeah, that was I wanna... a long answer. No, no, it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's an answer that I like what you, to hear. What do you guys, what do you guys think? Um, for me, considering I asked you the question, um, I think that he selfishly wants the home run record, so I don't think it's a big deal, but I also think that he has enough leeway on this team now to make the decision, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that he's earned the right, considering all the clutch hits he's had and he's been here so long. So I, I think, and I kind of go both ways, and so, back when he, back when they were actually trying to win something, I thought that it was kind of selfish to not play first base for a couple of days, just when the team kind of needed him to step up right there as a leader. Right before the break. Right before the break. Yeah, when when they were actually maybe trying to get back into it. So circumstances have changed where now it's like, okay, well, if you want your at bat, screw it. What what are we going to lose at this point? Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense for sure. I I I know a lot of people made a big deal out of when he missed the final game before the All Star break, and I. I don't think that he did. I don't, some people were throwing out there like, "If oh, you probably refused to play first base to send him home. I don't think that's it. Yeah, yeah Jerry was one actually, of those. I think he was. At, I think he was actually sick. Now, do I think that he was too sick to play? That, that's a completely different topic. I don't know how sick he was, <laughs> but I don't think it was because he didn't want to play first base. Fair enough. I just think that's kind of. I think that's kind of a reach. I mean, the, the guy's. You know, he's a, he's a professional. He's a professional. I don't think he's. I'm, you know, in my encounters with him, I've never gotten the impression that he's, you know, got a negative, you know, attitude or he's a bad apple. I mean, the guys really look up to him, and he's spoken about how he used to look up to when he joined the Red Sox Club Three. He looked around the clubhouse and he tried to pattern, you know, work ethics around guys like Pedro and Veritek and those guys. And I think now that he is one of those players, I don't think he would want to be, you know, I don't think he'd want the younger guys to to see him act that way. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I mean, he could probably commit murder. I'd still love him. So, <laughs> in terms of that, I, I'm all, I'm all. Oh man, that's Tom, that's Tom Brady in this town. So, <laughs> but Jimmy, I want to, I want to continue about Ortiz. I saw your article today about the Mariners still, still uh, regretting letting him go back in the day when he was 16, yeah. 17 years old. So, coming full, yeah, coming full circle from, from like what you wrote in the article from the beginning there to now. So you kind of watch his whole career progress. A lot of people are talking about it. Bob Ryan talked about it in the Globe today. Do you think that Ortiz should be in the Hall of Fame? Yes, definitely. I've, I've said that from day one. I'm not trying to sound like Ortiz's biggest fan here, but I just think that if, if I had a vote and I don't, I think that, I mean, why do why do players play the game? Why, what do players, what are they chasing? They're chasing championships. This guy came to the Red Sox and a year later, they won, they, you know, they broke the curse, they won the World Series, and he was a huge part of it. And then fast forward to a couple seasons back, and again, he was the main, he was the, the team's best hitter that much, you know, that many years later, and they won another World Series. The guys won three rings. He's going to go down as the, the, the greatest clutch hitter in Red Sox history, and he's going to go down as the best DH in Major League Baseball history. Now, if you don't like the DH, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to tell you. I, I guess if you have something against the DH, then maybe you put less stock into him making the Hall of Fame. But like, then why why is that position existing if people are going to completely discredit it? I mean, it's 
it's a, it's an important position. I mean, this is a guy that's been in the heart of this this team's lineup for over a decade, and they've won three rings because of it. I don't see how. I don't. I, I think the case for him making the Hall of Fame is a lot stronger. It should be than him not making the case. And if you want to use the whole steroid error against him, I can see how you can make kind of an argument about that. So the evidence against Ortiz, a lot of people who are against Ortiz making it, they don't want to admit this, but the evidence against Ortiz when it comes to the HGH and the steroids and all that is it's pretty flimsy. I mean, there's, 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 you know, his name is on a list, but we don't, that's essentially it, right? Yeah, that's totally, yeah, that's the only only thing against him, and there's a lot of things going for him, like you said. I totally agree. Uh, I want to jump into one other guy with you here. Um, since Bradley Jr., Betts, Castillo were looking so good, and obviously that's Hanley Ramirez not playing right now, what should this team do with Hanley Ramirez for the future? It's a great question, and I've been thinking about it for a while, because I, I honestly don't know. You know, if, if Jackie Bradley continues to hit this way, and so does Ruzne Castillo, and he, he's really been coming on lately too at home run today. I don't see how they can justify putting Hanley Ramirez back out on left field next season. I just really don't with the way he, with the struggles that he's had. And that being said, David Ortiz isn't going anywhere next year either. We're talking about Hanley Ramirez for like three, you know, maybe two, three seasons from now. If Ortiz is off the team, then that's the easy answer. Ramirez, the H's. But now you've really got a situation where you're paying all this money to a guy who can't feel this position. Do you try him at first base? Well, now you've got a guy in Travis Shaw there. Is Travis Shaw somebody that they see as their starting first baseman to begin 2016? I don't know. I would. I mean, I, I don't think they would say that yet. I think they definitely see a lot more of him. They don't, they don't hold Travis Shaw in the same light that they hold, you know, guys like Mookie Betts. Obviously, you know, those players are going to be, you know, cornerstone players. I think there's a chance Ramirez takes some, take some grounders at first base. But it's, I think it's got to be something that he does maybe towards the end of the season, towards the very end when they're 100,000%, like completely just thrown in the towel. And it's something that he's going to have to do in the offseason. I don't, I don't think that he should have done it like a month ago or, or when people started to say that he, they should just throw him at first base. First base is, you know, it's, it's a position where you really need to be mentally aware of everything going on around you, whether it's holding runners on, whether it's, you know, bunts, whether it's picking, picking you know, balls out of the dirt. I don't think Hanley Ramirez would do very well at first base. I really don't. He's not clearly he's not a uh, a very flexible a very flexible player. I mean the guy he's a linebacker in the outfield. I mean, he's essentially a linebacker if you if you look at his body. He's completely different uh than he was years ago. He just added so much muscle and, and mass to his frame where he's not a guy that I that can really I don't think stretch from first base and pick a ball that's there. I think it would be a disaster but if but I don't know what else they would do. They could try him at third base, but they have Sandoval there. Now, maybe you can Sandoval to first, and you try him there. So they've got some – they've definitely got some things that they've got to think about. They do have options. You know, they do get options. And, they, like I said, they've got plenty of meaningless games to to figure things out. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, before we let you go, Jimmy, I want to get one more question to you because this whole season's been terrible for the most part anyway. But yeah. the one bright spot to me has been – Xander Bogarts, because coming into this year, he was been going back and forth, obviously, last year, getting replaced by Steven Drew at shortstop and all that stuff, and we know the story there. But he's improved so much this year, and I want to really get your thought on it, because I think – I love Moogie Betts. These two can tell you. I've gushing all over, all over him all year. Um, I think this guy's your shortstop of the future. Do the Red Sox screw this one up and let him go somehow in the future, or is this guy it? Like, is they, Are they finally going to get the shortstop position right and let him just play? 
Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I'm I'm a huge I'm a huge Bogart guy. I, I think that he is the shortstop of the future unless he gets too big for the position. Um, but I, I think he he has a spot in this team for years. You know, I think they would be crazy to give him away unless there was some you know cockamamie trade that we can't even begin to <laughs> think up right now. I'm sure I'm sure we could throw trade proposals around all night, but. At the end of the day, it's going to take a lot to get rid of Bogart. I mean, especially because he's, you know, he's on a contract for, you know, whatever amount of years left, and and he's going to command a lot of money. But he's a guy that, I mean, look at, yeah, you look at from last year to this year, he's a completely different player. I mean, a completely different player. He's one of the smartest hitters that I've, that I've, you know, been around that I've that I've spoken to. I mean, the guy is wise beyond his years. He knows. You just talk to him, and he he knows what pitch is going to be coming to him before it comes. And he, and he can tell you why and, and, and you know, probably can even tell you where it's going to be on the plate. And his swing, I mean, the one thing you can say about him this season is that the power hasn't been there. But I think it's – I don't think it's due to a lack of – it's not due to lack of strength or, or anything like that. It's, due, it's, it's because – I don't know if this makes sense, but it's because his swing is so, like, mechanically sound or he's not swinging at an – it's a good swing. It's just not a swing that he's not swinging at that angle – where the ball launches in that direction. He's just ripping, you know, he's ripping line drives all over the field, all over the field. So to answer your question, he, I think the Red Sox are going to, you know, they they know what they have with Bogart, and they're not going to they're not gonna mess around with any trades or any, any funny business when it comes to free agency at, at, that, at that point. I think he's the guy for them. Uh, boy, Jimmy, I, I hope you're right, because uh, <laughs> I have such a, a little boy crush on him. It's not even funny. He's such a and great I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, he's one of the nicest guys. That, you know, in that clubhouse, one of the nice guys you can talk to. So, get that Makes guy. it even better That's to like him, know, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Makes him even better. All right, well, we're talking, of course, Jimmy Toscano, Comcast, Sportsnet, New England reporter. You can find him on Twitter at Jimmy underscore Toronto, not James. It's Jimmy <laughs> underscore <Yeah>. Toscano. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, we appreciate the time, of course, as always. Um, go home, get some sleep. You've been at the ballpark way too long today. <laughs> hey, guys, it was a lot of fun. Have me on again. Good time. Thanks so much, uh, Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jimmy. All right, again, Jimmy Toscano, good friend, Comcast Sportsnet New England. Uh, thank you, Jess, for getting him. That was great. You're welcome. Uh, I said to walk into a room and say, hey, you want to be on our show? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why I never thought of that before. Before I get to more of the show here, we work with Jimmy at Comcast Sportsnet, long story short, and he came up, Jess came up to me and said, hey, do you want to get Jimmy for the show? And I'm like, yeah, why have we never done that before? He, he works the next room over from both of us. Um, that being said, Jimmy is brought to you by Reached. Sports fans want to engage with your favorite CLNS personalities. Download the Reached app today for both the iPhone and Android. Are you a fan of the Celtics, Red Sox, Bruins, or Patriots? And Patriots is the better scenario there. Make your voice heard. Join your favorite show, and our host will ask the questions. Maybe your answer will get heard on air. Download the Reached app today. It's www.reachedapp.com backslash CLNS, and then click on the uh, Red Sox beat thing there and download us. So you can uh, see all of our questions. Jess, before we talk about all of the things we just discussed with Jimmy, have any reach results for me? Absolutely. Always got reach results for you. (laughs) Love it. All right, my first question uh, since the last show was, <laughs> should Jackie Bradley Jr. stay in the majors for the rest of the season? This was <laughs> yes, 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 this yes, was, yes, yeah, yes. This was before this weekend happened, so uh, <laughs> obviously, well, it's funny because seven people answered and all seven said yes before this weekend, so I think everyone would continue to say yes. They were on so, something. Yeah, no question. I think the storyline there, though, is more just, why not, more than, oh, we hit so well. It was just, uh, we all thought, oh, screw it at this point, you might as well let the kid play. Right. Well, that's the Hanley problem, but that's not a problem at the moment. So, <laughs> um, 
And then my other question is definitely an interesting one. Uh, as Koji went out and uh, they're trying to figure out who could be the closer, I asked, should Joe Kelly be the closer? Uh, and I got six responses. Four said yes, two said no. Me and Jared were two of the yeses. Lauren is one of the noes. I want to get to that in a second. But, um, what? Mike, don't hold want on. To get to it, but don't, I don't tell me yet. Okay. Don't tell me yet. I just want to read this first in terms of yes. Um, Mike Porter said, he commented and said it would be fitting as a closer in college. He was an All-American. I didn't know that he was a closer in college, so that's interesting. Neither did I. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That makes even more sense. He has great stuff, but can't get past the fourth inning. He's right. never started before. That makes so much sense. So, Lauren, why not? I clicked the wrong answer. <laughs> oh. oh, that's not good for radio, I man. You gotta just you gotta I, go with it. When I when I hit send, and I was like, wait, uh oh, oh, I was like, oh well. But no, I do think he should be a closer. At least give it a shot. I mean, what else does he have to lose at this point? So I think she's just um, defending. I think she's just trying to shy off what she really put. I love Joe Kelly. I know. I don't want to be a closer. <laughs> Cy Young Award winner. Woo. He's gonna get that Cy Young. I'm telling you guys, come back. Okay. So if this is true, five yes and one now. So even more, even more for Joe Kelly. So resounding, resounding answers for both the questions. I like it all. It's good stuff. There it is. The reach questions. My, before we move on, uh, Jess, might I say you did a great job leading us into the show today. Thank you. Oh, I knew you were a little worried about it, so I told you. I wanted to tell you on air, so everyone can hear how a wonderful job you did. I don't know why that I was worried about it because I've done Celtics post game shows. No, you're in the Celtics post game show. Fine. You're fine. There's something new I haven't done in a while, so. Figure, get your feet wet. You got the guest. You might as well do, start the interview. And he was great. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy, again, thank you. appreciate you coming on again. Um, before we get to MLB headlines, we'll kind of slide that down. I like to do this when the interviews come on. Let's talk about a little bit of what the people said to us, and that's, of course, Jimmy today. So, obviously, hit on John Farrell. And we can do this a little later, but obviously, John Farrell with stage one lymphoma. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his family. Same thing Jimmy said. Um, what I want to get to is the Ortiz comment because that's what I like to talk about. Uh, we all know what he was going to say about Xander Bogart, so I'm not really too ashamed about asking him that question. Though. Uh, but with the Ortiz situation, I think his answer was right because of the, to the current situation. I don't think it's being selfish anymore because there's nothing else to play for but yourself at this point in the year. Well, I just don't think I – don't, I mean, I don't personally think he's selfish, period. I, mean, I think he's always been a team player. He's been the leader of the teams. Everyone loves him. He's just the nicest guy. And so, like, I don't – I see that he's like competitive and fiery, and he'll break a bat over his knee like he did today, or he'll he'll slice a phone up on the wall with a bat, and he'll throw crap on <laughs> the field. Like, yeah, he'll do stuff, sure, but that's just because he's a competitor. I don't really think he's selfish. So, between that and then obviously being so close to the milestone, like do whatever the heck you want, David. Can I tell you I love when he bashed the telephone pole, oh, great. The, the, the phone, and the oh, it's great. That was a good moment for him. It was phenomenal. I loved it. It just adds to his uh, mystique. My favorite part was the slow motion of the, the piece of the phone flying off. <laughs> he almost like, took out Pedroia. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Like, what the heck, there's a vine are you doing? There's a, there's a vine to that somewhere. There is, and it's great. I'm going to find it. It's a, great, it's, a, it's a great vine. Oh. I'm going to retweet it. Yeah. Okay, so that that's where I wanted to go with the Ortiz thing because I I think because my argument before Jess and you know this was I thought he was being selfish for not playing first base back when back when and all that stuff and I, I think it really just matters in a certain situation I think that back then I agree still with my statement he was being selfish because the team was trying to win and they needed him for like a game a week to play first base to figure just to make the lineup better once a week and he wouldn't do it and 
But now it's like, screw it. I don't care what you do. Team sucks. I want you to hit your 500 homers. <laughs> like, you know, because, like, I do love the guy. I do. I'm still a big Poppy fan. I'm not, like, crapping on the guy just because. I, I do like the guy, and I expect what he's done here. So, obviously, hats off to him. And I'm assuming he's going to get it before the end of the season, right? Like, he can't He not. has to. He's so close. <laughs> he's, what, nine, nine away, away, right? Yeah. Bill? If he doesn't hit nine home runs in the last month and a half. You think he could do that? I think- Sidetrack question for both of you. Do you think Red Sox ownership wants him to not get it now? Just for the PR peak they can do over the winter? That's Is it really going to matter? I don't, I don't... Yes, because you know them in PR moves. Yeah, but I mean, he's already... like there's, He's already coming back next year guaranteed, so there's no question there. and He's going to have a spot. Yeah, but that'll help you sell tickets. Yeah, but you know what, though? If he hit it this year, would you have something to celebrate of this crappy season? True. Yeah. True. I'd rather him hit it now, for both reasons, because I do believe the ownership would go that far to sell tickets using his next year hopeful we're getting 500 homers if he didn't get it this year. Um, I've been thinking about this all day, and I wanted to ask you guys about it because I asked it on my earlier show as well, so I wanted to get your thoughts on it. I don't, you know, they, um, go ahead. I, I don't think Ortiz would agree to that either. I think he really wants to hit his 500th home run. Oh, Ortiz has no say in that at all. I, of course he wants to hit his 500 home runs. I think it's just that if he doesn't get to it, the ownership's going to go, hey, let's play off of that. Screw it. Let's just <laughs> let's market it. Like, Well, so. to both those points, I think he wants to do it now because – you never know what could if you get hurt early on something something could happen that would not have if he has if he finishes like four hundred ninety eight home runs that would kill him forever. Two, you might as well get it while he's raking too. Exactly. Yeah, he's hitting so well. And my second point to what you said, PR stuff. How would they PR like getting a good team and being good? That would be great, wouldn't it? Oh, I completely agree with you, Jess. <laughs> I hate the team for what they do. The selling of the bricks, all that stuff. Like I'm so done with that. You that's hate half- those bricks. I really do. Bricks suck. Man. Like, I can't look at a brick the same. I don't want a brick house. I don't want a brick chimney in my house. I can't do it. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, if someone writes a... If, like, it's awful. Like, I want to, like, burn bricks. Like, let's just... There you go. No, we're done. Burn bricks. We're done with bricks. Larry Lucchino was the first step to burning bricks in my heart, and it's great. Um, yeah, so let, let's move on with that. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, because I, I mean, it's been bugging me all day, and I knew, I knew Jess would probably have opposite opinion of what I had to say. So, um, Always. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. We kind of disagreeing a lot, which makes for a good show, so I really can't complain. Um, all right, let's get to MLB headlines here and knock these out, and then we'll kind of get more into the Red Sox stuff here. Um, first, Giants or the Angels are apparently the top suitors for the services of Chase Utley, who cleared waivers last week. He's hitting well this past week. I don't know exactly what his numbers are. We can look them up, but I believe that they are. Uh, he, he's, playing, he's playing really well, and it's great timing for him. Second, David Denson, this is big news this week, became the first openly gay player in an MLB-affiliated league um, to come out after he came out this past week. He is a double-A player, I believe, for the Brewers, which I know that's a fact. I, don't, I think he's double-A. No, he's rookie uh, league, actually. Oh, he's rookie league? Yeah. I thought he was higher. Yeah, okay, I wrote so an, I, yeah, I wrote an article on the website today, so all right, go check it he's out. rookie league rookie for the Brewers, and that's still big news either way. More and more people, it's great news for that. Hopefully someone, I think the biggest thing is that we need a gay star, and I'll get into that in a second. But um, just said this one in front of my face. The Cubs have a nine-game win streak. Fourth best team in the majors. Love those Cubbies. I've always been a Cubs fan. I root for the Cubs hard. Um, and finally, right here in Boston, have to add it. Andrew John Farrell has been diagnosed with stage one lymphoma. And, of course, his treatment begins Tuesday this week. And he'll be uh, out for the rest of the season and be managing. Hopefully, he wants to be back for spring training this year. So, We'll see how that goes. Those are your MLB headlines brought to you by Lynda.com. Over 4,500 different courses, all in one place. Pop up a bunch of different experts who know their stuff. Get your free trial from us and Linda at Lynda.com backslash CLNS, and it's good stuff. Again, it's a great service. They've been our partners for a while now. And, uh, go check it out. 
Um, yeah, guys. So let's let's just kind of dive into these for a second. Chase Utley's been playing so well the last couple weeks since he cleared even more. Um, if we use these two teams as a base, which one would you rather see him go to? The Giants. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know sure which one. I don't know. I feel like where would he be a better fit then, Jess? Where would he be a better fit? Well, probably the Angels, right? Because the Giants have Joe Panic. True. Who's the Angels' second baseman? Um, Eric Ibar. Or... Yeah. Yeah, I put him on the Angels. The Giants don't have anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> it would make the Angels better. Get some locker room presence. I like it. Um, why, get that, why the uh... Giants, though, Lauren? Oh, I think he'd be a good fit there. And I I love the Giants. They're like my they're my national league team. They're my second. Team. Oh, me too. So. I, and I like Chase Utley, so I want to see him go to a team that I like, because I know he's not coming to Boston, obviously. All right. Is it sad, too, I will say, side note, that the Giants were my team because of Pablo Sandoval? <laughs> oh, really? I loved, I loved Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. I still have faith in him. I do. This is, it's, I feel like this season's still an anomaly. But um, either way, uh, David Denson coming out, I, I just said it, but um, it's big for Major League Baseball. It's big for, the obviously, the gay community. Um, I think the biggest thing for um, – homosexuality in sport is there needs to be that superstar who happens to be gay. Cause I feel like everyone who's come out have not been a big enough name to really impact it that much. I still applaud them for coming out. I'm not saying anything to light of, I don't think they should have bothered that kind of stuff. I think it's great strides for that community and just us as a society as a whole. But I feel, I believe that the biggest impact will be say you have the LeBron James of athlete, the next to LeBron James come out as being gay. I think that'll have a bigger impact. Yeah, he definitely nailed that. Definitely a, a star coming out would be the biggest thing. But just with this kind of thing, like it, the reason that he came out uh, it was because one of his teammates made a slur about him. So then he's like, why, why am I taking this slur from this guy? Like, I should tell everyone that I am gay so that we can, like, move past this, this awkward yeah. moment. So that's how it happened. So it kind of makes Did his sense. teammate know? Did his teammate know and just make the slur at him? Or they just, like, was a non-passing slur like people joke about all the time, which is stupid? That wasn't clear in the article. So I'm not, okay. I'm not sure, but it obviously offended him, and he decided to do something about it. So, good for him then, in that case. Yeah, yeah. So very good for him. I think it's great that people and athletes, especially, are feeling more comfortable and able to come out. And I think just think that's great. But as you guys said, there does need to be a star and just kind of pave that way. And just I don't know. Just, I think that'll pave the way for more players to come out if there is that star. But this is definitely a great start. Because I believe, like. The first one to really come out was uh, Jason Collins, NBA, right? I believe that was the first big, like, professional athlete to come out. And that was great, yep. but he's not a great talent. And then Michael Sam came out, and he's barely fighting for his football life. And he actually just backed away from his football team in, in Montreal, I believe he was. Um, and now, obviously, with David Denson, minor league rookie ball guy who isn't in the pros, not, who probably won't be a star. Sorry, David Denson, but I don't <laughs> He might know. not even make the majors for all we know. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So it's not I, – I, again, I applaud them for him coming out, and I applaud it all, but I just think that – for that to have a huge impact on society, you need to have someone who someone idolizes forever and that who maybe even is opposes it. And then come, that guy comes out and says he's gay or female athlete, whatever. And then that fan goes, crap, I've been rooting for someone who's gay this whole time. I guess it's not a big deal. And that's the yeah. way I think it'll start sparking change. And there's but, bound to be some, some star that is gay. There has to be. Oh, there has, has to be. All of professional sports, there has to be one. Um, just a matter of when they're willing to come out and when they want to change things. So I know there's a lot um, of league, period. So the, oh, yeah. somebody being a star, it, there has to be. And you hear it from other athletes, too, when you talk about it. It's, oh, I know of a, a lot of other people in this league who are gay who don't want to come out. Like, right. people who are, like, when Jason Collins came out, he's like, I can name probably five people off the top of my head who are gay in this league who don't want to come out. Like, he didn't do it. But, like, it's just that kind of stuff that you think about it when you think about it like that. It's crazy. Um, 
The Cubbies, though, we'll get off that subject. The uh, the Cubs, I oh, mean, I, I love the Cubs. I really do. I hope they win. I hope I need they need to win soon because I'm sick. I mean, I, they shouldn't be in the same cocks as Cleveland for not winning a sports championship. Like the Cubs are a class organization, and winning nine games in a row, fourth best team in the majors, looks like they're going to be in the playoffs if they continue this run. Um, I can't see why anyone's going to root against the Cubs at this point. Yeah, they lost. They lost today to break the streak finally. But when I heard that, I was like, "Wow, they had a nine-game winning streak." And then I looked them up, and sixty-seven and forty-nine. I was like, "Whoa, they're way better than I." Th- I knew they were good, but I didn't. I, I mean, they obviously weren't this good before their nine-game winning streak. But now these young these young kids are producing. They're they're great. They got a great record. That's exactly what I did when I got the the alert on my phone that their their streak had been snapped. I was like, "Wow, they won nine games." <laughs> what? And then I, I went and looked up their record, and I was like. <laughs> They have you go, over 60 wins? Like, this is ridiculous. Almost you stare at your phone and go, wait, what streak? What are you talking about, phone? Like, Cubs, what do you mean? The Cubs got a winning streak. What happens so fast in baseball, because there's games every day, you can just lose track for a couple of days and be like, oh, that team has a 15-game winning streak? How'd that happen? Yeah, you could literally miss, like, a week of baseball and go, oh, they haven't lost in a week. What? Okay. Like the fact the Nationals have lost six games in a row or under 500 now? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You never know what's going to happen in baseball. You, you never know. That's why it's going to be a fun finish to the season, that's for sure, and, of course, playoffs. Um, and we, let's talk about John Farrell for a bit, and then we'll kind of – this will help us segue into more Red Sox talk. But, um, again, obviously Jimmy touched on it earlier when we had him on. Um, I feel like I had to start the show with it. So. Yeah, no, I agree. It's kind of that you think you have to talk about when it's something like this. Obviously, Pedroia's come out and said it, and Ortiz were at the press conference, both of them, when he said something, and Pedroia came out and said he's like family, he's the leader of your team, you're around him all the time. Jimmy said it was tough to be in the room when he was announcing it. You saw it in the press conference, Farrell was choking up. You could tell it was, it was obviously a struggle. Um, you, don't, you never want to hear you have cancer. It's not like it's good news ever. So um, obviously our best wishes go out to John Farrell, the Red Sox organization, helping him out is a great thing. He's in one of the best cities in the world for tra- cancer treatment. So, and he says it's stage one, it's curable. But again, guys, it, it's part of their family. So obviously all the jokes aside, I, I will sit here and say I'm not the fir- best John Farrell fan as a manager. Um, I don't think he's the biggest problem on this team. But uh, all jokes aside, all that stuff aside, I think John Farrell deserves all of our well wishes. It's the guy's life at stake, of course. And I think he's going to fight through this one. They said it's curable. So hopefully he's ready for spring training like he wants to be. Well, multiple things with this. He's... I mean, he's obviously a good man. That's everyone said how good of a person he is, and everyone seems to be a big fan. I saw today that Terry Francona is going to his first chemotherapy session on Tuesday because we're playing oh, the Indians. Oh, nice! So that's good. Uh, that's really good. So that doesn't tell you anything. Then I don't know what does. So clearly, he's a good dude. Um, Love Tito. Love Tito. First of all, thank God that he is in Boston because he's got great care. Second of all, thank God that he had the hernia surgery because that's where they yep. found the mass. So. They found it really early before he even had symptoms, so they caught it before it turned into anything, which should mean that he'll be fine. So everything worked out perfectly for how it happened. It's obviously too bad that it happened, and you never want that to happen, but how it happened is the best way it could have happened. Yeah, definitely. I was so shocked by the news. I mean, I think everyone was, and after I watched this press conference, it was really hard to watch. It's when you're watching the leader of your team get emotional and get choked up, it's, it's hard not to just sit there and feel for him. And like thank just said, thank God he had the surgery, and thank God he's in Boston because I don't think he'd want to be anywhere else. Yeah, I mean, you texted me and, and told me, and I was like, "What? Yeah, John Farrell has cancer." I was like, "Well, hold on." It was it was as soon as that popped up on my phone, I was like, "No, he doesn't." Yeah, <laughs> such a shock. I feel like a lot of stories with cancer too. You hear about John Lester was the same way um, when he had it here in Boston. You find out that, like like Farrell did, he went in for a simple hernia. It wasn't a simple hernia surgery, but it was a hernia surgery. 
and then they found the they found the mass and they dis- discovered it that way. If it wasn't for that hernia surgery, John Farrell wasn't going to be told he had cancer right away, and it might have been a lot worse when they discovered it. Um, same thing with Lester. He found it. I forget exactly what he was in for, but it was a surgery, and they found it. Or it might have been a checkup. Actually. It was I a think. checkup. I'm sure it was. I believe it was in a car accident, and he was still feeling pain from it. Yeah. Yeah. So he went to the doctor. That, that that is exactly it what it was. Yeah. Um, and it was a simple simple check in just to make sure he was doing okay, and they found cancer. Like it, all the stories like that you hear, it's amazing the good fortune some people have in that case, and that's obviously the best situation. Some people find it too late. Some people don't find it at all um, until it really is too late. But um. Isn't that crazy I think that he, great. he picked up a bag of balls and then messed up his, you know, had a little, like, I don't know, I guess a little, a little pain in his, and uh, I don't know where the hernia was. I know they're usually in groins, which would make sense if you're picking up a bag I of think balls. It, uh, yeah, I believe it was his groin. Yeah. But, um, so you just pick up balls and suddenly that happens. Like, whoa. What manager in the major leagues picks up a bag of balls? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, space. I'm not saying this to be like, you know what I mean? Like he, most managers don't have to pick up a bag of balls. They just, you know what I mean? Like it's not their job. So he probably was just being a good guy. Like we all claim to be him to be picking up, helping out. And he happened to get a surgery, uh, injury that might've saved his life. So, um, obviously, yeah, which is insane. So obviously all of our best wishes go to John Farrell in that case. And we'll obviously update you as we hear things, uh, on CLNS radio and all that written coverage. We'll keep you updated along his treatment path as we hear things, but I'm sure you'll hear them right away too because it's kind of a big story around here. Um, what else do we want to talk about here? Let's see. What else do I have on here? I'm do losing re- track. Can do the recap? You can do the recap. Yeah, let's do that. It'll be a short one because, well, not because of the runs, because there was only five games. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right, let's do a recap here. All right, so this is a weird week. First of all, we just like totally missed it because all of us picked a sweep over the Marlins and they got swept, which I'll oh. get to in detail here. But then we all almost got the, uh, the the Mariners series right. I know that me and Jared picked sweep, and Lauren. Wait, did we all pick sweep? No. Yep. Who, who, Lauren, what did you pick for last week? Just doesn't remember. Who? I think I you think said, was... you said four and one. So I... you picked two out of three. Yeah, that's right. Me and Jared picked sweep. You picked two out of three. That's what it was. Woo-hoo! So you got it right. We almost got it right. <laughs> if the comeback is complete, so we we did partly good, but mostly it was just weird because of that Marlin series, and boy, two different series is completely. So on Tuesday, I started off after a Monday off day uh, against the Marlins, and it all looked good. Everything looked all set. The Red Sox cut up four to nothing. They were playing a terrible team. I know I, I texted Lars before the game, and I was like, no wonder the Marlins are so terrible. Their offense is their their lineup is garbage because it was like they have nobody on their team, especially with Stan out. Yet somehow, the Red Sox managed to blow a 4 nothing lead that they had in the sixth inning. And Miami had two back in the sixth, one in the seventh, one in the ninth to tie it up, go to extra innings, and then one in the tenth to win it. The bullpen was terrible. Stephen Wright pitched a pretty decent game, five innings, two runs. But then the combination of Ryan Cook, Tommy Lane, Alexia Gano, Gene Machi, Janice Tazawa, and Craig Breslow all blew it together. Ow. <laughs> oh, I hate them so much. It was so bad. Like, it was the worst game to lose because like you had a comfortable lead, you're feeling good, you're like, all right, take this first game, you're up four nothing, and then you just blow it inning after inning, and it just all falls apart and into the into the end. Uh, Tazawa blew the save in that game. He 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 acted as the closer in that game, and clearly that didn't work out because he's not doing much right now. <laughs> To say the least, that's being nice. Oh, that's so. awful. Yeah, and that is very be- that's being very nice. <laughs> <laughs> He's not doing a whole lot. He's lucky I'm not doing this recap. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he's been terrible. But so bring us into Wednesday, and we thought giving up a walk-off win was bad. That one didn't hurt quite as much because on Wednesday it was a good game as well. It was good for a while. The Red Sox got down early. It was it was uh, four to one after two innings. Eduardo Rodriguez struggled. Ortiz had a home run. That was good. But then the Red Sox came right back. They got a run in the fourth, two runs in the fifth, and all of a sudden it was four to four after five innings. It's all good. Everything's looking good. Like come back, get the nice little comeback. But then the bottom of the sixth happened, and yeah, did. Miami got ten runs. The bottom six. One of the worst offenses in the league. A ton of no-names on their team. And they get ten runs in an inning. And if you don't remember, folks, Giancarlo Stanton is not in that lineup. Their lineup. At the moment. Their lineup, by last name only, Gordon Pryo, yeah. Dietrich, Bohr, Gillespie, Real Muto, Suzuki, Echeverria, Conley. That was their lineup let me go to my, game. Like, what? Yes, let me go to my favorite question. Yeah. Who? Right. D. Gordon. And, <laughs> who is that? And what? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and who? Ichiro, yeah, sure, but like. He's not Yeah, each row, what, 40? Yeah, he's not that <laughs> good anymore. Your number three hitter is Derek Dietrich, who's hitting yep. 258 with seven home runs and 11 RBI. Yeah, that's my number three hitter. Yeah, he should not, Yet, not be that bad. The Red Sox bullpen, well, Rodriguez plus bullpen, gave up 10 runs in one inning to this team, capped off by a JT Real Muto grand slam. He looked pretty good, actually, but still, no one knows who he is currently until that, so... Uh, Ortiz hit a two-run homer in the seventh for his second home run of the game to give him 491. But it was a little bit too late. Only uh, only eight runs more than needed, and they certainly did not get that. So Erod got the loss, five innings, nine hits, eight runs. Terrible, 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 terrible. He's had a few big-time just stinkers. terrible. Yeah. It's just terrible. Yeah, terrible. Thank you, Charles. Just terrible. Just terrible. But Ryan Cook, boy, he is awful. Wow. I can't believe how bad he is. This guy was an all-star a couple of years ago, and then he just fell off the map, and the Sox traded for him at the deadline. And he really could not have been much worse since he came to the team. He didn't give up a run in his first game, but in the second game was this game. He gave up four runs on four hits in a third inning, and then I'll get to it in the, uh, Saturday's game. He gave up five runs and five hits in two-thirds of an inning. He is terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> guy makes me want to go vomit in the bathroom. So... <laughs> Yeah, that, that escalated very quickly. Yeah, wow. Because you already 1429. I mean, what do you want? That's not it's terrible. terrible. <laughs> yeah, it could be worse. It could be 30. Bottom line, that game was awful. Terrible series. Easily could have won both games, and it just went sour real fast. So that one left a stinker taste in their mouth. Uh, brought us into Thursday, which was an off day. And then, man, I guess they were really angry about that Marlins series, and they really wanted to rally around John Farrell, because after getting the John Farrell news, um, something happened. It was very different from two days before that, that's for sure. First game against the Mariners on Friday, and the Red Sox jumped all over Mike Montgomery. They were they couldn't be more all over him. They got three runs in the first inning after actually getting down one nothing. Seattle's only run was the Kyle Seeger first inning home run off Joe Kelly. You thought he'd have another bad game, but... Luckily for him, he got offense city. So the three runs run seemed pretty good. Ruzan Castillo had a two-run homer in that first inning. But the real inning was the bottom of the third, just a couple innings later. Pablo Sandoval had a two-RBI double. Travis Shaw had a two-run homer. Brock Holt had a two-run triple. And all of a sudden, it was 9-1 to one just like that. If that wasn't enough, they got two more in the fifth. Mookie Betts had an RBI triple. And then they got two more in the bottom of the sixth. Pablo Sandoval and Jackie Bradley Jr. each with RBI doubles. And then they get two more runs in the seventh and eighth. Another home run from Travis Shaw, second of the game, continuing to be on fire. And that was your game, fifteen to one. 
it was it was a huge blowout. Uh, two guys had three hits, and one, two, three, four, five, six guys had two hits. Everyone had at least two hits except Xander Bogarts, who didn't get any, which is funny. But he made up for it, so don't worry. <laughs> uh, Mike Montgomery, two and a third innings, ten hits, nine runs. Couldn't be much worse. Joe Kelly, six innings, four hits, one run. He was he was fine. Give him credit. He should still be the closer, though. Still be the closer, <laughs> yep. So that was a great win. Like, talking about doing it for John Farrell, a nice 15-1 to game. Little did we know that the Red Sox would score 22 runs the next day on Saturday. Wow. 37 runs in two games. Lauren knows better than anyone. She recapped it. Uh, go ahead. So that was just fun to recap and fun to watch. That was a good game. I was jealous of the entire game. I was like, I want to recap this game. <laughs> I'm like I'm like feeding Lauren stats every five minutes. I'm like this stat, this stat, this stat, this record. You know you're in charge, three. Jess. Jess, you could have just been like, you know what, screw you, Lauren. I'm going to take this one. I'm going to recap I this. I could have, but I was working at the lake, so I wanted. You know, I, I wasn't around the computer at the moment, but I was listening intently on the radio to every pitch. Oh my god. So that's true. I could have done that, but believe it for Lauren. Her <laughs> eight articles can stand. Uh, <laughs> so let's get into this game. Boy, the weirdest thing was that the Red Sox scored 22 runs, and Felix Hernandez started this game. I know. It's crazy. Hard to believe, and but it's real. It happened. Uh, how it happened was, after a scoreless inning and a half, Pablo Sandoval had a home run, Jackie Bradley hit a two-run homer, Xander Bogart hit an RBI single, Ortiz did a sack fly, and it was 5 nothing after two, and boy, they weren't done. Mariners did get two runs in the third inning, so we'll give them credit, but Alejandro Diaz a two-run homer, 7-2, Brock Holt, two RBI double, 9-2, to Ortiz sacrifice fly again, 10-2. to Okay, that wasn't enough, was it? All right, well, Blake Swihart, RBI double, 11-2. to And then we move ahead two innings to the sixth inning. Blake Swihart again, RBI single, en route to his four-hit game, first of his career. That was 12-2. Jackie Bradley Jr., two RBI double. Sorry, RBI double. 13-2. Mookie Betts, RBI ground out, 14-2. David Ortiz, two, uh, RBI single, 15-2. Okay. They matched, uh, they matched Fridays. They still had a couple innings left, so they went, they went at it. Seventh inning, Jackie Bradley Jr., two RBI double, 17-2. Betts sack fly, 18-2. Bogart's RBI single, 19-2. All right, we'll get the Mariners a few runs. Nelson Cruz, Austin Jackson, two-run home breach, 19-6, fine. But they cracked 20. Blake Swihart, RBI double, 20-6. Jackie Bradley Jr., two-run homer, 22-6. That's right, it was 19-2, and it was 22-6. The final was 22-10 because, granted, the Red Sox bullpen is terrible. <laughs> they did. Thank God they got 22 runs. Right. They did give up four runs in the ninth, including the four in the eighth, to get 10. But unfortunately for them, the Red Sox already had more than 10 runs after four innings. So your final was 22 to 10. Wade Miley pitched well, even though he had a huge lead. That's cool. He still pitched well. Seven innings, four hits, two runs. It was his first win since July 2nd, which is hard to believe. But he's had a couple stinkers, and he hasn't had ample run support. Uh, the stinker in that game was Ryan Cook, of course, as I said. Five runs on five hits and two-thirds in an inning. Couldn't be much worse, but... I will ask, what would we be saying right now if they lost that game? Like, 23-22? Uh, <laughs> I don't, like, I don't know. Bad. I don't even know what to say to that. Like, I would honestly sit here and just sit there and probably be silent for an hour and just let people listen to my awkward, silent speechlessness for an hour, because that's that would have been insane. But both ends bad enough. If they gave up 23 runs, I'd really... But, I mean, the... The, Mar- the Mariners gave up 22 runs. So, you know, Hand in their pink slips on the spot, if that happens. Right. <laughs> let's, get into a few, let's get into a few stats in this game. Jackie Bradley Jr., 5 for 6 with 5 runs, 7 RBI, 2 home runs. He had 2 home runs and 3 doubles, 5 extra base hits. Youngest player 
uh, in over 100 years to get five extra base hits. Uh, back-to-back games, the Red Sox scoring 15 runs was first time since 1988. There was a lot of a lot of history in this game. Uh, Blake Swihart with four hits and four runs and three RBIs. Xander Bogarts had four hits after his hitless uh, a game in the 15-run game. Uh, Betts had three. Holt had three. Ortiz had three. Rutledge had two off. Josh Rutledge came off the bench and had two hits, two walks, and scored four runs. He didn't even play the whole game. That's how insane this game was. Insane. So, yeah, Felix Hernandez, 10 runs, 12 hits, two and a third innings. Fantastic. Worst game of his career by far. And boy, was that fun. 30, I'm sweating right now. That was so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> it might be because it's hot outside, or it might be because I'm really excited, or both. Probably the heat outside, but hey. No, it was probably the game, I'm telling you. <laughs> it was definitely probably the game. So, that brought us into today, Sunday, and hey, this team doesn't give up anymore. They used to, but they seem to have turned a corner considering they scored so many runs. And today, they got down 7 nothing after three innings. Henry Owens threw up a stinker. He gave up three home runs in the first three innings, but... This Red Sox team just chipped away. Xander Bogart's home run in the third, 7-1. Rusnik Castillo home run in the fourth, 7-2. Rutledge sack fly, 7-3. An inning later, Ortiz sack fly, 7-4. Okay, Cruz had a home run, 8-4. But the Sox weren't done. 8-5, and Xander Bogart's ground out. Brock Holt scored a wild pitch, made it 8-6. Brought us to the ninth inning, and the comeback was complete. Bogart's gotten the seventh run with the ground out, and then Travis Shaw tied the game with an RBI single. It scored Holt. And then Ortiz, as we mentioned earlier in the show, was thrown out at home by a mile. I don't know what you guys think. I'm okay with it because I'm sure Brian Butterfield was thinking, let's just hope for a bad throw. This bullpen's terrible. If we don't score this run, we're probably not winning the game. So let's just send him and see what happens. That's my opinion. Um, I, I should I, At this point, I could care less because I know they're not playing for anything. But if it was just me narrowing down to that one game, I believe it was the wrong decision because I just think that you should know by now not to send David Ortiz anywhere. Um, he was out by, like, 6,000 miles. Um, I don't think it was the right decision. No, I don't either. I just think it was a bad call. And, like you said, they should know not to send Ortiz because he's not the fastest guy out there. And he's just... He's <laughs> That's just, being nice. <laughs> it was well, okay. a terrible call. It was terrible decision-making. Sure, it was terrible. Yeah, he was out by a ton. I get that. But you really... Did, do you guys have confidence in the bullpen where Ryan Cook's giving up eight runs every game? Like, why not send him? No, but, I mean, if you know you're going to be out by miles, you might as well give the next batter a chance to knock him in the right way instead of yeah, but hoping they have a bad throw. He would have scored if it was a bad throw. Yeah, again, if, 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 if. Might as well, I'd rather have the batter try to do it than him try to do it with his legs. Yeah, no. There's a better odds of the guy behind him getting a base hit than him scoring rounding third. Yeah, it might be. But then if if you didn't score on the next play, then you might be like, um, maybe we should have seen if he could score. I don't know. I'm not the manager. but I'm just taking percentages there. I trust the guy behind him more than David Ortiz's legs. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't score, and unfortunately Seattle scored two in the top of the 12th to win 10-8. to eight. Tough loss. Could have been a sweep, but in all reality, they had no business winning the game in the first place because they were down 7 nothing. But great comeback. Good to see. Uh, Henry Owens was terrible, but he did have 10 strikeouts. So maybe he wasn't so terrible. I mean, he basically either gave up runs or got strikeouts. So you don't really want that. But six innings, ten hits, seven Ks. Sorry, seven runs, ten Ks. Uh, his first bad start, but it, the strikeouts are encouraging. So it was a uh, ended up being a two and three week, a really weird week, one of the strangest of the season. Very exciting, very strange, all in one. And of course, my MVP for the 
for the week was has to be Jackie Bradley Jr. because he just he just went superhuman on all of us there for a week. So can we just say hold on a sec? Holy Jackie Bradley! Like, come on! Like, is this going to stay the way it is? We're getting religious now. Yes, holy Jackie! I'm blessing <laughs> Jackie Bradley. Wow! Like, that's insane what he did. It is. It's, it's encouraging too. Very encouraging. I see. The thing is, that with Jackie Bradley, this is what we've been seeing in AAA. This is what he's been doing in AAA all year. He's hit like three thirty. Exactly. Like that's the whole season. He's been hitting three thirty. Yeah. So like, I think his average now in August in the majors is like three something. I put it up in the sheet somewhere, but um, it's insane. He's hit like five something in the last week. Um, two multi home run games, and it's like, what are you doing, Jackie Bradley? It's so different now that you haven't been able to do that for the last year. Talk about inconsistency, right? I can't hit yeah. anything. I'm, I'm going to hit 100, and now I'm just going to go insane and hit, like, 800. Yes. I'm all for figuring this kid out enough to get him get something for him and trade him because as much I love his defense, and I think he's a great defender. I'd rather bring someone who's have a better track record in the outfield well, who can hit consistently. I don't think this is who he is consistently enough to keep him on the team. Yeah, I'm, I think – I don't know. I think he should stay on the team. I think – well, for now, yeah. Well, obviously, for yeah, now. For I mean, good. No, but I think he should stay for good. Yeah, I'm, I'm all absolutely. for having him stay here for good. No doubt. But, I mean, I, especially after this weekend, if he can keep this up, there's no reason he shouldn't be on this team like in the years to come. If he's capable of putting up these offensive numbers, which he clearly is because he just did it, mixed with his incredible defense, he's already basically the best best center fielder in the league. No question about it. He's, he's incredible. He catches everything. If you can do that and, and – I mean, I don't think we're expecting him to hit 800 every week. That's probably not realistic. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, that's <laughs> probably not You're realistic. You're going to have your hopes and dreams crushed. <laughs> you think that. But if he can hit, like, 300 or, like, 280 or whatever, which if you could, if you just did what he did this weekend, it's probably probably a possibility, then this guy could be, like, one of the better players in the league. I, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. but Two things with that argument. One, he should have won a gold glove last year, mm-hmm. but the arguments against it were stupid. Um Two, I think to thought to think about having an outfield of Rusnay Castillo, Jackie Bradley, and Mookie Betts is pretty scary in in a good way. Like if because Rusnay Castillo's figuring it out, and I think his bat's going to come. He's going to get more reps, and I want him out there. Mookie Betts is we all know what Mookie Betts is, and he's staying in center field probably. If Jackie Bradley and Mookie Betts stay in the outfield together, that's an insane amount of ground covered. And think about the big ballparks that you you have the potential to play in. That's a lot of ground covered with those two. And, and they're have... both. Go ahead. So they're both very athletic too. So that's that's just such a good outfield if they can find a way to maneuver that. It, it makes for some theatrics. And they're they and they're all fast too. Like if you have Castillo along with Betts and, and Bradley, it's like you got incredible defense. And if Bradley hits, you got three guys who can play offense too, which is fantastic. Yeah, Castillo is figuring out the defense slowly, and once he figures it out in a major league level. His speed's there. We've seen it. He he runs down balls in right field like it's nothing. And he's, it seems like he's already figured out how to play right field at Fenway in terms of the wall for the most part. I think he's got that down. And I, so I've been I, saying this since we got him. Every show, I've been saying, just prove it to me. And he is. He's now proving he's it. proving it. He actually yeah. is doing it, and I'm giving him full credit. I like him. I like watching him play. He's a good player. I'm excited. He's getting the appearances. He's getting the plate appearances. He's getting the reps in the outfield, which he needed. That's what that's what he needed to do. Um, Ruzne Castillo-wise, I do believe that he needs to upgrade. He needs to get rid of those like dinky singles. He gets way too many dinky singles for me. Um, I know whatever works works, but he seems to have a lot of grounders. To, yeah, yeah. He needs to get the ball in the air a little more. He's he's been producing a little bit more, um, but he's but he came advertised with power. I want to see it. 
because he's been hitting some homers that are opposite field, and, he, and it seems with ease his swing right now when he hits good contact. He seems to get that more consistent, and I think he's going to be good for next year. Before we move on, I just want to give Jackie Bradley numbers this week since he was the player of the week, and they are insane. Uh, Tuesday through Sunday, he was 12 for 24. Huh. Okay, that's a 500 average huh. with a lot of runs, let me tell you. Nine. Just yeah, that's a lot. Nine runs, five doubles, a triple, two home runs, eight RBI. And if you want to go even further, just one game back on Sunday, he was two for three in that game with two more runs, another triple, a home run, and five RBI. He's had an insane six weeks, six days. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's just crazy. Definitely worthy of the uh, MVP award there. Oh, and hold on. Best part about it, from last Sunday to this Sunday, he's raised his average 126 points. I love it. 121 love to it. 247. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. Um, it. It's great. It's great. And I think that hopefully, I love watching it, so I can't think of nothing else to watch. So hopefully these young kids keep playing well and get something to watch through September here before football gets going. Um, all right, there it is. There's Jess's recap. Every week we get you caught up in what happened the past week. It's been, it was a decent week for the Red Sox, despite a weird, weird two-game series against the Miami Marlins. Just weird. It's just a, so it weird. Was an insane week, period. That's it was, it was, cra- it was a crazy week. Obviously capped off. Yeah, obviously capped off by the Jackie Bradley week. Um, it's a phenomenal week. Uh, let's move on here. Let's get some, uh, fantasy advice from us. Uh, don't mind us if we go a little over our normal time. We want to make sure we get everything, and we had a great interview with Jimmy, so we want to kind of, so we don't want to uh, make you lose any of our great content that we've been providing. So uh, let's get to the fantasy stuff. Um, we're going to, of course, add give you two ads to add for your fantasy team. Uh, Lauren, go first. All right. I'm going to start with Drew Smiley, who's a starting pitcher for Tampa Bay, and he's been on the DL for the last few months, but he's set to be activated, and Tampa Bay is pushing for the playoffs, so... Um, it is a big question whether or not he can stay healthy, but we've seen him pitch like an ace, and if he can come back and do that, then I think he'll be a good pickup. And if he's not, then, I mean, if he's not on the waivers right now, go grab him. And if he has a bad one or two starts, just drop him. But I think it's a good pickup for right now. Yeah, I, I, th- I think Drew Smiley is a good addition, and I think Tampa's still playing well. They still believe in themselves, so I think it's definitely a team to keep monitoring for players as long as well with Drew Smiley. Um, I'll go next. My first one, no surprise here, if you're listening to the last five seconds of the show, it's going to be Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, I think the numbers that Jess just rambled off were speak for themselves. He rose his batting average an insane amount, um, 375 in the month of August, hitting 591 the last week total, not just Tuesday through Sunday, whatever Jess just said. That goes a little further back. Right, Sunday Um, through Sunday. (laughs) Yeah, so... That, those numbers are just stupid insane, and I would just ride that hot streak as long as you possibly can. Um, I think he's available in a lot of leagues still. I think Probably all leagues. <laughs> yeah, with the Red Sox still being bad, the names aren't getting out there from this system. Just like the Phillies, there's just not the names aren't getting out there. So if you're listening to this show, you're clearly a Red Sox fan. You know about Jackie Bradley Jr. Take advantage of that and go put him on your team, and he's going to produce for you. Absolutely. I'll actually agree with that one for once. Uh, <laughs> you you love when I put the Red Sox in yeah, there. Yeah, you do so it all I, the time. So we'll... It's nice. Yeah, a little tie, and this is a good choice. Jackie Bradley Jr., man. And you did a couple weeks ago tell me to add Rusnik Castillo, and I actually ended up doing it. So You're welcome. So maybe I'll add Bradley. We'll see. I'll think about it. Maybe. <laughs> well, I guess That's the one case I know I'm not wrong. True. I mean, a 500 average, I probably should. But <laughs> Regardless, my first one is Austin Jackson on the Seattle Mariners. We just saw him this weekend, and he had a really nice weekend, which is one of the reasons I want you to pick him up. He's had two hits, 
in each of the last five games. He had two each in all three games against the Red Sox. Um, he had three runs in the last five games and also a home run and four RBI. So he's slowly progressing. His average was bad for most of the year. He's up to 257, seven homers and 33 RBI, and he's only owning 16% of the league. So he's the guy who's slowly progressing, and he's he's really hitting the last week or so. So if you're looking for an outfielder who is definitely getting better, I'd pick him up. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I've always liked Austin Jackson. He's a sneaky good player anyway. Yeah, and he showed that this weekend that he's good, so mm-hmm. definitely a good pickup. Um, my second one is another starting pitcher, of course. Um, Martin. I love that pitcher. I do. I love those pitchers. I think they're obviously very good. So, uh, Martin Perez from the Rangers, and you know they're making a push for the playoffs as well. And he did miss most of the season. He had Tommy John surgery, and um, he did have a really terrible start back in July. He gave up eight runs in one inning, but since then he's pitched 20 innings. He has 12 strikeouts, only given up two walks, um, five earned runs. And even though his ERA is high, it's a little over five, but he keeps if he keeps on winning, he'll be a good pickup, and he's on the winning streak. So I would I'd go grab him. Why not? Yeah, he's had three really good starts recently. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I would definitely consider him. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to stick with the starting pitching trait. Love the pitching. Uh, Matt Garza, familiar name for a lot of people around here. Uh, Matt Garza, the Milwaukee Brewers now. Um, he hasn't had a great, complete great year, but the last couple of weeks he, he has a 2.70 ERA with 14 Ks, and that's in 20 innings of work. Um, I think he's finding a little groove here towards the end of the year uh, for a team that's not going anywhere. He's going to get some more starts. Um, I, I think that he seems to be finding a groove, and like Lauren said with her, um, with uh, Smiley, I believe it was you said this with. If he starts sucking, just drop him. Yep. Just screw it. Just take advantage of him playing while Wally is. At this point in the year, folks, you're going to get a lot of people you're going to be dropping and adding very quickly just because people are going to get hot and cold, and, that, and you're adding depth to your roster. So I would consider Matt Garz just for ride the hot streak as long as you can, and if you start sucking, do it with another person that we'll suggest in a few weeks later from down the road. That's exactly what I was going to say. Just like be, be wary of Garza because he's so streaky. That guy is unbelievably streaky. But when he's on a hot streak, he's good. Oh, clearly. yeah. He's, he's definitely has potential so, to be a really good pitcher. He's just terrible sometimes, too. So. Exactly. So, like you said, just be careful. Um, I'll continue the starting pitching train. My last one is Love it. Ruby Delarosa, formerly of the Boston oh. Red Sox, now on the Arizona Diamondbacks. He's had a sneaky year. He's 10-5 and five with a 4.55 ERA. He's definitely probably better than maybe the Red Sox thought he was going to be. I know they were kind of high on him, but they didn't really seem to have a problem giving him up. So, he's doing better recently, though. His ERA is definitely high for the season, but he's 4-0 in his last six starts, only giving up six runs total in the last three games. So if you do math, that's two runs yeah. a game. He's been he's been doing well. So like the rest of these guys, maybe he's a little streaky. Maybe his ERA is a little high, but he's hot lately, and that's all you can ask. I've always liked Ruby. been a big Ruby fan. Um, I've always hoped that he would be a closer for us in the future. Obviously not anymore, but I was always hoping that he, they would convert him to a closer because his fastball is just insane. He throws the ball hard. Yeah, he always had potential. Uh, I always liked him, too. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously you got rid of him. Was he, What trade was he was involved in the Wade-Miley trade, right? Yeah, it was Miley for, uh, for De La Rosa and Webster. Yeah, so, and I liked De La Rosa more than I liked Webster. But um, either way, I think De La Rosa is still pitching well now, like you said, Jess. And I think it's a great ad. Um, but there you go. Those are the uh, six guys we want you to add. I had Jackie Bradley Jr., course why not uh matt garza just had austin jackson and ruby de la rosa and lauren had martin perez and 
Drew Smiley. I love I love the name Drew Smiley. I don't know why. It's, it's, so, happy. Happy. it's, great. it's so happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great last uh, name. It's so happy. Um, either way, this uh, this uh, fantasy segment was brought to you by DraftKings. The moment you've been waiting for is almost here. Football season is just around the corner, and you could start the season by winning $2 million in week one at DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. One-week fantasy means no season-long commitments. It's like a brand-new season every time you play. Just pick up your players, pile the points, and pick up your cash. It's that easy. Why wait until the end of the season to get paid when you can win huge prizes every week? You can get started playing right now. Prepare for the regular season with preseason contests running through August, and you've already been scoring players, scouting players for your season-long fantasy team. Put that knowledge to the test this week and every week at DraftKings.com, where you can turn your love of football into a lifetime of cash. So hurry to DraftKings.com now and use promo code New England to play for free for a shot at $2 million in the one Week one millionaire maker. Enter New England for free now at DraftKings.com. And I wouldn't complain with $2 million in my back pocket either. So it's definitely worth the risk. Um, and it's, a great, it's a great website as well. I'm an avid DraftKings user. Sadly, I lose. I lose more than I gain. Let's put it that way. Um, $2 million? That's weird. I know, right? Kind of strange oh, who would want to do two, that, yeah. Who, who would want $2 million? Yeah, um, not me. No, I, I don't need it. <laughs> screw it. I'll live on my uh, salary. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man. Um, one more thing I wanted to touch on before we get to the preview, before we get out of here, just real quick. We kind of touched on it a little bit, but I want to kind of dive into it a little more. Hanley's been out. He hasn't been playing. He's whatever he's – what's his injury? Just remind me. Refresh me. Uh, his foot injury, right? That was off his foot, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Um, he hasn't been playing, needless to say. And it's, it's been working out well because you've been seeing uh, Betts, Bradley, and Castillo together in the outfield. And like Jeff said earlier, it, it's working. And I, I think it's a good combination. What do we do when Hanley's healthy? Just for the last month or so of the season, what do they do? Oof. What do you think they're going to do? Well, I think he's going to go back to left field. I mean, I don't know what else you can do, right? Okay, then what should they do? Well, they should. Uh, I guess <laughs> send him on the side back, of the street. I get, well, I, well, I guess when he comes back, we need to see like how the others are performing too. I mean, one of them could get injured or do terrible all of a sudden. Um, That's true. Castillo's going to get injured. Yeah, he's really good at that. Yeah. But I do Very. think it's funny that they're on this offensive explosion without Hanley and Pablo Sandoval. So, I mean, what's that saying right there? It says that they're <sighs> inconsistent and bad clubhouse presence. And Okay, Pablo Sandoval. Yeah, I know you have a man crush on him, all right? I'm def- not, I don't Oh no, that's not Andrew good. Bogart, my friend. That is Xander Bogart, my friend. All right, fine. He has never been a great You have a panda crush on hitter. him. Is that better? He has never been as a phenomenal hitter. His career average is like 250, and he's hitting, what, 240? Yeah. Something like that. It's he's not – he's never been an average – it's been known for his defense. Obviously, I know, I know his defense has been terrible this year, so Jess, don't yell at me for that comment. But um, I think you have to wait and see with him. I think you signed him for a reason. Obviously, the money was way too high, but that's what you're going to have to pay if you wanted him. I'm not going into this any deeper. You all know my thoughts on Pablo Sandoval. Um, Bottom line, we're playing better without Ramirez than Sandoval. That's, that's a fact. Yeah, I'd rather Sandoval than Rutledge at third base. Um, I agree. I don't want Hanley in left field. I completely agree with that. You should put him in a cardboard box somewhere and just right on the side, uh, free for your free for the taking or something. I don't care. And make just sure on him... the side of it, put fragile. Yes, yes, <laughs> definitely put fragile. I like it. Um, doesn't don't need him in the lineup unless he's going to DH. That's the only way I want him in my lineup. Um, or first base if if he's if they actually get their head out of their keisters and they decide to do that. I like but I like Travis Shaw, which is tough because I really like Travis Shaw now. So well, I like we'll what see. Jimmy said about. 
Ramirez, don't put him anywhere near, near first base because he doesn't. His head's not in the game, and your your head does have to be in the game at first base, and his isn't. So I think DH is the only spot for him, and yeah, I think he'd be better on the side of the road. I want to I want to like him, and I want him to be here. Like his home Me runs too. are great, but like he doesn't hit doubles. He's not clutch. He's lazy. You know, he hasn't been the same since he ran to the wall back in like May, right? <laughs> Like, he was hitting so well in April, and then he got hurt like that, and then it's been like this ever since, and I think that had something to do with it, because he's fragile. Um, that sign in the box. That sign in the box, man. Put him on the side of the road. Bring him to a church. Give him some nice accommodations. Just drop him off. Um, all right, before we get out of here, let's do a little preview of the week before I keep bashing on Hanley. Um, what is it? I know it's not in front of me. It's uh, three Indian. against the Indians and four against KC, right? That is correct. You got it. Okay. It's just not – it's weird. Just updated it but didn't update the, sh- the names of the teams. All I did was oh, put mine in. Just put, that's all I did, too. <laughs> uh, I just followed you. Uh, either way, so we have three against the Indians. I believe they're going to win two out of three from Cleveland. Just Cleveland's not that good. Um, and the Red Sox have been playing a little better despite the Miami series. Just ignore that little crap thing that happened down there in Florida. Um, I like winning two out of three. I think that it's going to work out well. I think they – have some decent success against Cleveland, and I just think that they're riding the streak, and Hanley's not going to be playing, so there's always a good chance for Yeah, I'm going uh, they're going to win one from the Indians. I don't think I don't think they have it in them to take, take any more than one. <laughs> I went back and forth on that. I'm going two out of three, winning two out of three, but I almost did win one out of three, too. It's like, I don't know, it seems like whenever you expect them to do good, they're not, and then when you think they're going to do bad, they do good, so. What was your gut instinct? What was the gut instinct? Two out of three. Okay, then you're fine. I'm feeling decent about gut. that. I always go with my gut, and it's usually wrong. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'll do that. Next, <laughs> next we got four against the hot Kansas City Royals. Um, love me some Casey Royals. I'm a big fan of them. I don't know why. They're just a small ball team. They play well together. The bullpen's still killer. Um, I have them losing three out of four to, to the Royals. Um, I just think they're a good team. I don't think the Red Sox have the manpower or the bullpen to beat them in a four-game series, if not more than one game. I'm giving him a little more credit than that. Uh, I'm giving him one more game than you, Jared. So, going with a split. I don't same same thing with Cleveland. I don't think they have have it in to take more than a game or two. But my gut's telling me they're going to split, and I'm going to go with my gut because my gut's usually right. <laughs> well, I don't have a gut because I'm skinny, but uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to. Um, no beer belly on Jeff. No beer belly. Yep. No beer. No beer. No beer belly. Anyway. Um, I'm picking a split because I was kind of conflicted on it. I wanted to say I would have said lose three out of four if they were on the road, but being the home team, I like a split. I want to say more than that because we are home and you should win home games, but the Royals are really good and the bullpen is so horrendous that I don't know how you could beat the Royals more than two games with that with that bullpen. I was I almost said get swept by the Royals in a four-game series. Could very well happen. That. Very close to saying that, but I'll give them a win. I think they deserve a win, um, just based off of sheer luck at some point. Um, so there you go. There, there is the wonderful preview of the week. Uh, Jess and myself have them winning two out of three to Cleveland. Lauren has them winning one out of three to Cleveland. And then Jess and Lauren have them splitting with KC, and I have them losing three out of four to KC. That's three and four for me and Lauren, and four and three for Jess. Sorry, Jess, they're not going to be above 500. Uh, hey, they're all home games. So... This, this is true. This is very true. They are all home games, so you never know. It's a better chance than if they're road games. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they're not good. They're not good anywhere. So let's be. But honest. they are better um, at home. Give them credit. 
They are. <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. This episode of Red Sox Breed was brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. Get $50 off any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. We're excited to welcome them as a new advertiser. Casper's mattress is an obviously engineered mattress at a very fair price. Two technologies, latex and memory foam, come together for a better night and brighter night's sleep. Casper Mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support. I got my new Casper Mattress and tried it out, and it's so soft and comfortable. It's phenomenal, and I suggest it and get the discount while you're at it. Go to Casper.com backslash Celtics, and again, promo code Celtics for the good old mattress deal. And and Um, you heard our guest, Jimmy Toscano, say he wants one now, too. Yeah, Jimmy Toscano (laughs) wants one. Uh, So it's good stuff there. Again, we appreciate Good, Thank you. I was going to bring that up, too, Jess. Uh, We appreciate, of course, Jimmy Toscano coming on of Comcast Sportsnet to talk about it. He was in the car on the way home from Fenway Park because he was there for so long today. So we appreciate him jumping on uh, for his ride home. I'm glad we can soothe him on his way home with more Red Sox questions if he didn't get enough of the Red Sox today. Um, Pretty funny he was on his way home at 9 o'clock when the game was at 1.30. The game is at 1.30. <laughs> yeah, that shows how long they're there sometimes, yeah. Jess. That shows how long it is. Um, again, you can find him on Twitter at Jimmy underscore Toscano. I believe that is correct. Yes. Um, right. I didn't say James. That's <laughs> Um, yeah, so again, thanks to Jimmy for coming on. We had a great show. Um, next week, we'll talk about something else, I'm sure. More Red Sox coverage. I don't know what to tell you, because it's a long week between now and the next seven episode. Games, yeah, so. Seven games, yeah. Seven games. Full seven games this week, too. No two days off, whatever that crap was. Um, you get full seven games of baseball in this week. Um, of course, anything updated on John Farrell news or anything like that, we'll keep you posted on the website. Check out the written coverage. Uh, Jess, are, is there anything we should expect this week before we get out of here? Probably more articles from Lauren is what I can say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And hopefully right. other people, too. Well, yeah, we can hope. okay. Keep an eye out there. I'll get recaps coming. We'll get all that stuff for you there. Uh, again, this is Red Sox Feed on CLNS Radio. We'll get you on Twitter, Facebook, all the nine, uh, nine yards there. So check it out everywhere you can. And until next week, have a good one, folks. See ya.